actually. They are growing slowly. Like you see the growth, the progression of like certain skills that was lacking in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. But they're actually like they're like typing sentences in their Google Forms. They're like writing now. So. I feel like you had them doing some type of research or something this week that I saw. For Women's History Month. Okay. So um, the bulletin board was due. So I was trying to figure out what to do for our bulletin board. And so what I did was I picked like four books based on their levels. Okay. And then for the kids who couldn't read, there was, you know, epic, getepic.com. It has books that they could like listen to. Mm-hmm. So I picked audio. There was like an audio on Helen Keller, okay, and Michelle Obama, and they got to listen. And what they had to do was like get the main idea, and the main idea was like, what is this woman famous for? And then they had to name facts, and they did it on their own. I like modeled one, and I was like, all right, you guys go do it. And then I was walking around, and they were like listening. They love Epic. Oh, My that's kids. cool. Yeah, they love that. That sounds good. In <laughs> teacher world, I wish y'all that are listening could um, sense how stuff like that makes us excited. Yeah. Like because stuff like that is so cool. The investment piece, like you gotta get the kids investment invested mm-hmm. in. And I was like trying to figure out how to use Epic as one of our projects. So I was like, all right, let's see if they could use the books and research and read. And they did good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I've been testing all week because it's... I, have y'all started access testing in your school yet? Yes. Okay. But I don't... Even though I'm the bilingual teacher, um, our ESL uh, teachers... Does it? Does it. Okay. So have some of your kids been getting pulled? And they're going to get pulled this week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's Testing is very rough. Testing is... Um, long especially for the esl teachers because we do everybody in the school we Mm -hmm. do all grade levels so um and unfortunately i feel like in the elementary school because they have the push-in model for the esl teacher it doesn't it's not that bad because if we're removed from the classroom it's not like the, the the kids don't have their core teacher but in middle school we're the kids core ELA teacher Mm. so we get pulled and our kids are um they're varying between different subs when they're not testing so I haven't really taught any of my classes in like two weeks or two and a half weeks and it lasts about a month right yeah it's like three weeks it we started on February 15th right and we are finally done with the core group of kids but we have to do makeups so makeup start today and tomorrow and then we should be done I told my guidance counselor like um I'm not I'll I'll test during my prep and common planning instead of missing out a day of teaching Mm -hmm. um but those of you that are listening, um, welcome to the This Is 30 Podcast. Happy Monday. I'm your host, Jernique. And if you hear a voice here, um, I have a guest today. Her name is Keisha. Keisha, say hey to the people. Hey, people. <laughs> um, so, Keisha, tell like um, everybody like something about yourself or where they could find you online before like we get into the episode. All right. So, I'm Keisha. People know me as Keish. Um born and raised in connecticut um been living in and out of jersey for the past seven years um you guys can find me on instagram quiche peach i also have a business i'm an educator Um, my business page is quiche peach underscore jars i think that's what it is i gotta look it up 
But um, yeah, I sell um, Haitian spices, pickles and ippies, um, quiche beach jars, and I am an elementary school bilingual Haitian Creole teacher. Hey. hey, and I am happy to be here. Thank Yay. you for having me. No problem. Um, so, you know, this is the This Is 30 podcast. So how old are you? This is 30 plus. I am mid 30s. I'm 35. OK. Um, and before we once again get into like the real topics, um, how has your 30s been treating you? My 30s have been enlightening. Okay. I think my 30s have actually um, there's this expression in Creole called midgumunsu. Like I had to actually like know what adulting is mm. and be an adult. I think my 20s was my safe space for me to make mistakes and I had cushion. I was still living at home for most of my 20s. So my 30s was like, you're like, this is it. Like independence, independence. And mm-hmm. then more like learning more like going inward and learning about myself mm-hmm. um i think that's what's happening now especially the last two three years okay all right um what would you pick 30s versus 20s 30s 30s right yeah it's lit over here it, at 30s <laughs> it's hard it is it comes with its own challenges challenges and like you mentioned adulting i would not recommend but it's lit over here. It's it is lit. lit. It's lit. It is lit. There's a lot of aha moments in your 30s. Yeah. I think you have a truer sense of self mm-hmm. um, and you kind of navigate unapologetically right. like in your 30s, whereas in, in your 20s, you're kind of like worrying about what people think or just trying to please people, not like consciously, but you are just trying to do the right thing. And I think like in your 30s, you get... Even though you're making less mistakes, I just feel like you're not really worried about the mistakes. Like, they, they're going to happen. Yeah. So it is what it is. Um, but Keisha is here today, and we're going to talk about a few things. Um, y'all know we always do the serious first, and then we transfer into the fun stuff. Um, so March is here. I believe this is the first episode of... Um, of March. Um, I didn't give a shout out to all you beautiful people that are on your way to work, taking the kids to school, uh, just getting off of work, doing whatever it is you do. Shout out to you guys. Thank you for listening to the This Is 30 podcast. Um, But March is here. We're still in Pisces season, the best season of the, you know, of the, of the whatever Zodiac calendar. (laughs) Um, Are you a Sag? I am a Sag. Okay. So fire and water. I don't know. Pretty interesting. (laughs) You know, like my mom is a Sag. My best friend is a Sag. My little sister is a Sag. Like so many people around me that I love are Mm -hmm. Sages, but we're not a sign that's supposed to um like i wouldn't say sages and pisces don't get along but i feel like most of the time there's a lot we of conflict mesh. yeah no, we don't mesh but so many people in my life are sages and i love them but they do irritate the crap out of me <laughs> for me a lot of pisces are people that have sag tendencies but they like suppress them <laughs> Okay, that's how I look about a lot of Pisces. Like y'all like to suppress your stuff, whereas Sagittarius, we're like, boof. Right. We're just gonna let you know, but you guys like to suppress it. You guys, or I'm not gonna say y'all don't want to own up to it, but you guys like to just suppress things. Okay. Sometimes I think that's fair because I feel like um, I have a lot of like 
similar values to a lot of Sagittariuses, mm-hmm. but the way we go about them is a little different. It is. Yeah, but we, we connect on a foundational level. Right. Okay. So it is um, Women's History Month. Yeah. Um, and we are women yeah. doing the damn thing. Exactly. Um, you know, I just feel like as I've gotten older, I wasn't necessarily always aware of the the things we celebrate each month. I feel like I didn't realize that March was Women's History Month until like three years ago. Really? Yes. I. It wasn't a thing that was ever taught to me or emphasized. Like the way that I talk to my kids about it now, it was never taught to me mm-hmm. in school. And I just don't think I paid attention if it was. Um, but my question to you is, um, have you always been aware that um, March is Women's History Month? To think about it now, like, I don't, I remember high school, we talked about some, like, women um, issues, but did we really celebrate it in March? I'm, I don't really recall. Okay. Um, I think I've uh, taken more precedence, like you said, like, through a communal-based kind of awareness right. of women history, like, in my adulthood. But, yeah. like, when I was in school, college, I didn't really... I mean, they had little events, like, authors and stuff like that, but it wasn't, like, really, like, emphasized, like, until, like... The latter and, years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like... And I feel like now that we're out, like, there's a lot of, of like, club events or even just... um empowerment brunches or things of that nature that are usually themed around this month right that i never really noticed um before um do you do you do anything extra to commemorate this month um i i think i go to like some of the brunches okay um participate in some conference or some sort okay um to kind of like grow my brain or just like empower myself Mm -hmm. um but i i have not done anything yet um in my classroom i've talked about it um we research of uh some certain women certain women um but other than that like i haven't done anything yet (laughs) okay um so why is um why is women's history month special to you or why do you think it's worth celebrating so i think it's worth celebrating because it kind of regrounds me in who i am and in my purpose i think i've been home i've been inside lately i haven't been outside and a lot of shows that i've been binge watching um are stuff right now i'm watching the good wife okay uh, I, I keep you know my nail tech she watches that show and she loves it it's so empowering you know to see and a woman who who's a lawyer right and something happened and the the series starts with like her husband he was like a state's attorney and he did like this controversial thing he cheated on her and then just watching her get back on her feet and getting back into her career Mm. and just every episode of her like you know doing her job really well um I've watched The Good Life, which is on Freeform, talking about like girls in their 20s, even though we're in our 30s, mm-hmm. but this is about a group of girls who are in their 20s and they're working for this top magazine company and just them addressing certain issues um, like breast cancer, marriage, mm-hmm. relationships, you know, sexuality, like those those kind of shows kind of like empower me and be like, yeah, you know, right. I think um, just... It, it, it's a time to look within 
Okay. I, again, I'm just like focusing on going inward. So I think like looking at some of these examples or these shows that are happening on TV allows me to kind of reflect and be like, hey, you know, right. this is inspiring. This is like a key topic. This is something that, you know, I could do to make myself better. So I use this month as a way of like seeing what other people do to kind of empower me and encourage myself to do my own thing. I like that. I mm -hmm. like that. I think entertainment and especially TV does a really good job at that. Like, I feel like I'm going to watch TV forever. I know there's people who don't really care for TV mm -hmm. um, or they shun it a little bit, but I feel like um, a platform in which I have physical options to see reflections of myself mm -hmm. or people that I know is like really cool. Right. Um, so like, um, I like that. Um, mm -hmm. I've never really been intentional during women's history month, um, you know, to do, extra work i think maybe one year i'm gonna take that up like to just like you know be um i don't know the word i'm thinking of to but to be conscious about it i think women's history month for me i usually focus a lot on getting my kids to understand that women were not always offered the rights that men were mm -hmm. and it's still a pressing issue right you know to get equality in the workplace and in a lot of places and i i know like i'm a walking contradiction because i'm waiting for somebody to make me a stay-at-home right wife. but <laughs> but i also want the same amount as you for doing the same job as right you, like if i choose to go to work exactly uh, so um it's weird, but um, I think, like, I focus more on them and their knowledge because they're very unaware of those things. Like, they didn't realize that we've only been celebrating this for, like, 40 years. Like, it hasn't really been that long, and they didn't realize that. I was asking my sixth graders the other day, like, do you guys know that women get paid 70 cents to every dollar a man makes? And they were like, no, that's not fair. Why? Mm -hmm. Um so it's cool in their eyes, like experiencing right. Women's History Month in their eyes. Um, my next question is actually, okay, so we're speaking of fields in which women dominate, and we're both educators. Right. Um, so um, how long have you been teaching? I've been teaching for 14 years. Okay. Um, I started out as a preschool Head Start teacher. I did that for seven years. And then I wanted to go more into elementary and get my license. So I did some uh, para work. I worked as an assistant for two years while I was working on my master's. And then while I was working on my master's, I moved to Jersey. I graduated and then I've been teaching in and out of Jersey for about seven, for the past, since 2014. So about the seven years. Um, I've taught kindergarten, uh, first grade, uh, second grade and pre-K. Okay. What grade is your favorite? Oh, my God. I don't know. Um, when I taught first grade, I hated it. <laughs> but That's a hard grade. That is a, yeah, hard, it's a grade. hard grade. But um, now I love it. I, I don't know. Um, I think between second and kindergarten has been okay. fun. Um, second grade, it's because that's where you see them come in like little first grade babies. And then when they leave you, they're like mature and like they have that third grade added, like they're right. ready for third grade. So mm -hmm. you really see that growth. Um, and then kindergarten, it's just like they really come in like baby babies and then they leave like really ready to be independent. Right. So it depends on the kid, the year I'm having, I think. 
I think that's what matters. This and then is true. this year, I looped with my kids, so I had them for two years. So okay, second grade is extra extra special. How with me. is that? That happened for me this year too, and I'm not a fan of it. Um, it it has its perks because you know the kids, and you're mm-hmm. not starting from a fresh slate. But I would like my kids to experience a little bit of variety. Like I don't want them to come to me and then have me the ne- the same. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know why. I just don't want them well, to. Well, I, as you know, I started in the district that we work in last year. Mm-hmm. So, and we were re- fully remote last year. So, this is essentially like, even though they saw me virtually, but this is to me like, it didn't really like bothered me because like I didn't have them face to face. Right. So, it was like my second chance, like some of the skills that they missed when they were virtual, they now were addressing them now. So, the relationship piece, the trust, it was already there. Like, right. they knew who I was. I enjoyed it. Mm. You know, my colleagues joke, they're like, you're going with third grade? I'm like, absolutely not. You uh-huh. guys can- <laughs> That's funny. I'm not going at third grade. No testing grade for me. Uh, you mentioned that this is your first year having them um, fully, you know, in person. How, how uh, did education change for you during the pandemic? I am a very hands-on educator. Mm -hmm. Um, I am someone who needs that face-to-face interaction. I'm a hands-on learner myself. So as a hands-on learner, you got to be a teacher that's very hands-on. So the virtual world was really hard. And then their environments where they were learning was not the best. You know, a lot of them, you know, we work with bilingual students. Um, I work with Haitian families that, like, had to go to work, and kids were either at a grandma house or a daycare center, and there was, like, loud back. So it was so hard. Right. Um, I I felt like um, the skills that they really needed, they didn't get. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really learn. And especially first grade, that's when they were learning how to read. And yeah. a lot of them came to me that didn't know how to read. Mm-hmm. So, um and to think about it, like these eight-year-old kids, a lot of them are eight-year-old. The last time they were in a full classroom was the middle of their kindergarten year. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, it was a lot, like a lot of crying moments with them. Parents were very frustrated. But one of the things that um, I did, I build rapport with my families. Okay. So like... If your kid didn't show up, I told them how important it was for their kid to log in online. I listened to their concerns. I gave them extra resources. So now in person, the transition was easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that sounds great. That mm-hmm. sounds awesome. I I did not like teaching from home. However, I find that for the middle school in the district we work in and for the middle school I specifically work at, um, Something about in person, and I don't think I was always getting through online, but there's something about the environment in person that is affecting my kids negatively. I feel like they have um, exposure to a lot in the middle school. My school is wild. I can't lie about it. I can't fake it. I can't. It's wild. And I think that being at home may have not been the best academically, but for focus purposes, it helped them to not 
want to try and be something that they're not mm. so now there's like influences and i have kids who really care about school and really care about their grades but i just i catch them coming in with a different attitude and they're always trying to act like this person and that person and it's like my school is a war zone i can't even i i, I have to keep it brief when i'm mm. talking about it because i don't even want to get in trouble right but my school is really crazy i've never seen anything like my school ever like a day in the life at my school could be a reality show it's right. nuts but i think what's going on at your school is going on with a lot of schools right. all around the country right um my experience is different with student behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's the the fact that I'm working with bilingual students. I don't know if it's the fact that I've looped with my kids. Like, I saw L's I, are usually more well-behaved. Uh, well-behaved. So my kids behave in my room. Right. Uh, they but, switch classes all day, so right. they change. <laughs> um, so I think, but my kids also lack a lot of social skills. Mm-hmm. Like that interaction, knowing right. how to play, knowing how to talk to each other. Like I'm, I'm teaching those, I'm, I'm teaching those skills. Right. Um, so I think, I think that's a lot of issues around the country. I think we need just a block for social emotional learning and addressing some of these issues. Tell me about it. <laughs> Tell me about it, girl. Because Tell I really me about do it. feel like the pandemic really shunned a lot of a lot of the kids. Like one girl, like dropped an f bomb, like it was normal, and I was like, where did and it and but that was her environment, right. you know, like. And I had to like break it down. I was like, "What made you say that?" Well, she made me upset, and I was like, "What could have you?" And it's like a process, and it's like, yeah, you hear grownups when they're frustrated drop f bombs. But you have to know certain environments. Like, you can't say those things. Right. And especially a person in a six-year-old body, you can't say Absolutely. those things. <laughs> so, right. um, I That's think, a regular thing at the middle school. Yeah. We, we just turn a blind eye to, to cursing. And I would have never when I was in middle school. But we just, it's like, you can't spend more than 30 seconds in the hallway without hearing five F-bombs. Right. This, this, that. And. I feel like the middle school approaches, we have bigger fish to fry. Right. We want these kids to be here. So I cannot suspend every kid who uses foul language. So here's something that my dad taught me because I, I was never a troublemaker, but if I did get in trouble, it would be for foul language. Um, I remember one time my dad sat me down. I was like 13 years old and I think he went to a meeting and they're like, she cusses <laughs> to her friends. Mm-hmm. But I, it's not like my home there was people were cussing um i heard it amongst like i was in middle school right and so my dad said let me just tell you something cuss word i can't tell you not to curse but you're going to grow up you're going to go to college you're going to graduate you need to understand like there's a time and place yes like when you're sitting at the house with your cousins by yourselves and there's no grown up, drop every F-bomb, every S-word that you wanna drop. But when you're in an academic environment, when you're in an environment where you work, you have to know how to carry yourself. Right. And I think instead of like teaching kids, like this is a bad word, we don't say it, we should just like really show them because they're gonna grow up and be adults and like I cuss, you cuss, like, we, we just need to know, like, when to be appropriate and right. when not to be appropriate. And when he said that, like, 
I I conformed. I was better in school. Like, you know, mm-hmm. my teacher didn't need to tell me stop using that language. So I think that is something that we really... And that's why I told the six-year-old. I was like, certain things, like, you can't say in school. Right. You know? And, and when my kids do make those mistakes and use foul language, I was like, we don't say this in school. You don't hear Mr. Mon say it in school, so you don't say it in school. Right. So... To not let them feel like we're restricting them of them expressing themselves. Because people cuss to express frustration and we don't right. want to limit them for that. So Yeah, that's that's um that's great. I yeah. think that's important. Um and I think it's dope that your dad um put that perspective. Yes. Yeah. Because a lot of foreigners, although they use foul language all day, I don't think they would have taken that approach, you know? Sometimes and they would just be like, you like, just get in trouble. do that. And my dad was like, why not? Like, he was like, I cuss with my boys all the time. Like, he was right. saying that. He's like, I cuss all the time. I can't sit here and tell her not to cuss. Right. I could tell her, like, when she walks into that building to not say an F-bomb, like, to know, like, where she is, because... Right. That would like and and he and he like compared it to like school to like when I get a job like how inappropriate that is. He was like I don't walk into my office and drop f bombs. Right. So, yeah. Um. If you had uh the perfect or decent work conditions, what would they look like for you? I hope I don't get in trouble. I want supportive leadership. Okay. I value that. Yeah. Um, I want a leader. I felt like in all my 14 years, the years that I thrived in the classroom were years that I had leaders that were really invested in supporting teachers, leaders mm-hmm. who were invested in developing me, making me a better teacher. Yeah. Um, I feel like having a strong principal or a, a person on top who can understand some of our challenges who can listen to us come up with solutions um i think that's really important to yeah me. i feel like gone are the days when strong leaders are people who spent a lot of time in the classroom i don't know if that's a just a me thing that i think but i feel like Back in the day, it was like mandatory or you had to put your work in in order to end up in a super high position. And now that's not necessarily necessary. And as a result, we have leaders or deal with leaders who are very punitive or who are just very liked. I don't want to say by the book because I have no problem with strict leadership. Mm -hmm. It's more so like you got to also lead by example. There is if there is chaos and that's how we're operating under chaos. You cannot want order from me or you cannot be so specific on the order you want mm-hmm. from me when my umbrella is chaos. Mm-hmm. Like what what am I being taught that would teach me otherwise? And in, in, in actuality, if I'm functioning I'm actually doing you justice because I'm working under conditions in which I should not even be able to function. Right. Um, So that's most of my issue with the way I compare leadership is the way my leadership in the classroom works. Right. We as teacher is giving like this blueprint, like here are these standards, here are this, this curriculum that your kids have to learn by the end of the school year. Right. But it's your job to meet their needs where they're at. 
It's our job to differentiate these lessons. It's our job to make these lessons relatable, engaging, and motivating right. for kids. So as leaders, you should look at your staff and say the same thing. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's not a one-size-fit-all. Right. Like, I don't know. I was looking at my evaluation rubric. I was like... And I'm looking at the rubric, and I'm just like, if you knew... if you like spoke to me and it doesn't even matter for it some doesn't people. matter because <laughs> i'm required to make the lesson work for based on my population of my classroom mm -hmm. um i think i'm not saying the leaders that i had were they made excuses for me but they were able to understand my story mm -hmm. and that that's how they were able to develop me as an educator right they were able to understand the dynamic on the classroom what kind of kids i had what my kids needs were right um and they held me accountable mm -hmm. um i had one leader for one evaluation she came three times to ensure that I was effective. Right. Like, it wasn't like, check, 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 check. You had this today. You had that today. Because tomorrow you could come into my classroom. And I could not have it. I cannot have and it. And it's, it's, that's just the way life goes. It don't mean, like, I'm horrible. Right. Because I didn't have my condition right. written on the board. I think with the system that we work at, and, and that's what I tell a lot of teachers, because it's just not only our district. I right. think it's everywhere in America. I think... Um, it's a system that's looking to hold somebody accountable, and I think we get the the, the bad end of the stick of it, rather than working, um, collabor collaborating and trying to fix the system. We're looking to be like, well, you lack this skill. That's why the kids are not learning. Well, you didn't do this. You know what I mean? So Right. Um, um, I hope it gets better. Yeah. Um, I do. I have hope, but I feel like... To be honest, in this environment, the system needs to completely collapse before mm -hmm. it can get better. I don't see it getting better because I feel like it, it's working in the hood and working in an urban environment is to me very uh, parallel to some black journeys in America. So it's like trying to push and make it work even though stuff is really crappy instead of just starting back at square one and doing things but it's like we cannot admit fault because once we admit fault it places us way behind on the totem pole and we're trying to catch up already mm -hmm. we're trying to compete already we're trying to prove that we're not bad as they say we are already right. um so i don't i try to be like um graceful right when trying to understand their approach but in the same Breath, I really think that our system needs to be broken completely exactly. in order for it to get right. So I remember when I was in high school, um, I was in student government, and um, the district that I worked, um, that I, shout out to Stanford Public Schools um, in Connecticut, they, um, there was two, there was two groups, right? There was the suburban kids, the white kids in North Stanford, and then you had the east side the west side kids the urban kids and when they looked at our testing they noticed that there was an achievement gap what that district did they did like so many initiatives they even had a student group initiative like they put all the north kids they gathered a whole group of north stanford kids together all the white kids and then us from the south like the east side west south south and we came together we had this meeting they're like what is missing what do you feel like it's missing because like 
y'all all together like right. y'all all in the same high school right what is missing you know like one city did that and 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 like the mayor got involved the superintendent got involved our principals got and they made new initiatives to kind of make us black kids feel really involved in our learning mm. and a lot of the issues was like our learning like you know, we talked about like uh, we can't relate to some of the content, mm. so they changed some of the curriculum so it wow. could be culturally responsive. Like, there was a lot. Shout out to Stanford Public Schools. Wow. But there was a lot of initiative that took like they they actually took the data and looked at it and said we need to do something about it. Mm. I feel like a lot of the districts today they just look at it and said this is what it is, so let's keep on like working this system and I was like do you guys look at it do you guys think about like what affects it what changes you want to make and that sounds like love that that was really powerful in uh, in my high school that did that so that sounds great Mm -hmm. I wish administration sometimes could be a fly on the wall in my classroom when my kids are expressing themselves uh naturally Mm -hmm. I wish because I find that even like I was telling you about my evaluation and how like uh I was having a crazy conversation. My kids were t- Googling me and telling me I was turning this age and that they found my YouTube. And, you know, at, I understand that for my evaluation, that wasn't the greatest of uh, scenarios. Right. You know, I wasn't caught in an educating element. However, um, I feel like that's a part of education. I think it's a part, every day is not going to look like me having a textbook open and teaching the kids about author's purpose or main idea. Some days it's them feeling emotionally safe enough to feel like, and I'm not saying Googling their teacher makes them feel safe, but if they feel comfortable enough to want to know more about them, their teacher and we can laugh and joke about mm-hmm. it, those are some days in but your classroom. But that's the investment piece, right? right? To get to the heart of the work. Exactly. So I think, like, we were so... I feel like when leaders walk in to evaluate us, they're, they're, they're just getting to the, to the, the nitty-gritty of a lesson, but... You have to under, and I remember when I got evaluated, she was like, you started 25 minutes past the starting time. And I was like, lady, you know the kids just came in from lunch? Right. Like, the kids have to, like, relax. They have to zen. They have to, like, some of them were emotional from recess. They bumped each other's heads. Like, I give them time to collect themselves. Right. Um, Maybe you could have said, hey, you started really late. What was that? But, like, I was deemed for that in my evaluation. Right. Um, so I feel like in order for us to get to the heart of the academics, we really got to get our kids invested. Right. I don't Absolutely. Think, I don't think my women's history research project wouldn't have been successful if my kids was not invested in Epic. Right. That was something that I had to take time to get them. That was something we, we've been using Epic for months. Mm-hmm. And the minute we started, it's books that they actually have to read. Right. And I started restricting, you can't listen to the audio books yet. You got to read these books. Like, And that's how they were able to get really invested in using that program. And the lesson was successful. So um, I think there's this investment piece. Right. And I think leaders should know, like, you can't come in and evaluate my whole career on one 30-minute session. Sure can. A good leader will come back. Right. And right. see how it looks over time. Right. I agree. 
I definitely agree. But um, shout out to us for making it work and pressing exactly. on in our district because, Lord, let me tell y'all, it's not, it's a lot of districts and a lot of schools that are going through what we're going through, but our district, and y'all know, if you've listened to, I'm not going to name it here in this episode, but if you've listened to any of my prior episodes, you know what district I work for. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. A day-to-day travels and day-to-day issues in my district it's not for the week. Listen, if anything, this district is going to do is going to prepare you for war. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that something that's always said about teachers that come from our district or have ever worked in our district is that we are so over qualified and over prepared when we go to other places mm-hmm. because the requirements are not as crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just you're literally oh, like other districts they're like, like what are you doing why are you writing a book and a half for your lesson, lesson plans? plans why are you doing that like why we don't need that my lesson we, plans take me like two if i write my lesson plans the way i'm supposed to write right. and i did it one week i did it i was well behaved one week it takes about a good three hours to write wow. a hearty it's nice weekly lesson plan and then you got to prepare the materials and then you got to prepare what you're going to teach for the next day it's nuts. it is a lot it's nice and, and you I, don't have no resources it's not like you're it's you're not like nothing. you have workbooks or textbooks exactly. for all of your kids or even worksheets or access to your online platform <laughs> where you can get worksheets and work you're literally fending for, for yourself yourselves. you're literally like it's crazy and it's like y'all not gonna consider any of that you're not gonna consider if i'm struggling does none of that get called into consideration? And that's what I said. I was like, I don't mind being held accountable. I don't mind the bar being raised high. Sorry. But you give me nothing to work with. Right. I don't have a social studies textbook, but I got in trouble for teaching phonics during my social studies block. But I didn't have a social studies textbook. I have social studies material. So, you know, I had to, like, make it work. I had to go and, you know, work with my colleagues, and I was able to get those materials. But that timing, I was able to use the resources that I had to teach. The kids were engaged. It wasn't like you walked in and you saw them doing nothing. Right. But I feel like... um, And then also, I feel like a lot of districts are not considering that we are recovering from a pandemic. Right. It can't be business as usual. I already said to a lot of my teacher friends that they need to re- they need to revise the common core standards or the state standards because that's not our normal anymore. Yeah. That like those it would like what you're asking for these kids to do at second grade, they're not there. Right. They can't get there. And you guys are going to have this issue for a few years to come. Exactly. Because everybody was affected. Exactly. Um, And then I just want to shout out to all my charter school friends who have lesson plans written for them, who's going to enjoy that. Please do. And y'all have a lot of charter schools that I noticed, they just have really fun learning environments. Environments that just look like so much fun everybody mm-hmm. looks so involved um mm-hmm. and i i really love seeing like people that i know that work at charter schools showcase the fun that goes on at their school mm-hmm. it's like super if inspiring. i could take the grit and the fun that's at charter schools and then the public schools at the district schools hours it would be a happy place right but i just remember one school leader told me that like 
If you guys are not happy here, fine. But just know the shade is never greener. You just got to know what shade of green you want to stand Listen, in. Listen, that's very when true, too. When it comes too. to education. That's so very true, too. You'll never find the best work environment for you. That's very true. Okay, so now that we have bored you guys with our education talk, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about dating. Mm. Um, we're going to get to the bottom of dating. Fun. So, Keisha, <laughs> so I know you talk about being single online. Yes, and, I do. And um, waiting for the right guy or mm-hmm. looking for the right guy. Um, how is the dating process going for you currently? It's non-existent. Okay. It's, um, I've tried the dating apps. I've tried to follow some of the dating coaches that I've seen on Instagram. It hasn't been fun for me. And I had to take a step back and be like, why is this not fun? And I realized like, I just need to work on myself a little bit more. Hmm. Um, I was never a type of person that had multiple guys and talked to multiple guys at one time. I was this girl that liked, when I see a guy, like one guy focused on one guy, whether it was a situationship or whether it was a relationship, girl, it would I know. be that one guy. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. It would never be like, I have this guy on Monday, another guy next week. And so the dating process is not that fun for me where you can just go on multiple dates Mm -hmm. um so i stopped and also like i don't have time to like weed out guys on online dating so i stopped and i just want this process to happen organically so i kind of worked on like i'm kind of working on just like going inward healing myself um, and then figuring out how to position myself to attract meaningful guys who are on my level, guys who are, you know, deserving of my time. If I don't you, know how it works, but yeah. If you are no longer uh, uh, dating online or, you know, on online platforms that are designated for dating, how do you think that you are going to go about finding somebody? I don't know. Okay. I don't have the answer. That's the question I ask myself all the time. Because I know you also said that you're inside now. And I find that just a lot of us in this season, for some reason, there's a redundance and a repetition that has been um, associated with outside. Mm -hmm. It's like... All right. For how many years am I going to do this, bro? Like, y'all are cool, but I ain't trying to see the same people every week. Right. Every weekend. I was a part I was a party girl. I was always at every Haitian event. Right. Um my husband is not at Empire. My husband is not at First Republic. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, tried it, didn't work. Mm-hmm. So, I decided I didn't say I'm not going to support these events, but I'm on a mission of like, I'm 35. I want my kids. I want my husband. So, I decided to take my step myself out of that environment um and also there's a lot of other crazy things that are happening in my life so i just also wanted to just take a break um and kind of go inward and focus on that mm-hmm. um i'm trying to look up some books that's been recommended that i started reading um I'll look once I find the title, but there's some books that help you with like attracting that one person. There's books that help you heal from like relationships that like really hurt you. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the things that I'm doing inside. You know, I'm praying, I'm manifesting. I'm also like spending time with 
authentic love, whether it's with my cousins, you know, having a girls' night or whether it's going out to eat. I could go out to eat and, you know, he's sitting across the room. Like, I don't know where it is, um, but I feel like when I focus on it, I put too much pressure on myself. Mm. And I just want it to happen organically. So, So what is something good about dating? If you can pinpoint something good that has been a part of your dating process. The fact you, I'm going to be honest, the fact that I could get a free meal out of it. <laughs> like, but <Hello>. like, <laughs> I, went, I went on a date uh, a couple weeks ago and it was at this taco place in Hoboken and this guy drove all the way from Connecticut. He actually was on my Facebook. We have Facebook mutual friends and he just asked me out and I was like, okay, um, cool. But when we got to the restaurant, the conversation wasn't organic. Like I felt like I was interviewing him. Like uh, he, it couldn't flow. Was he older than you? We were the same age. Okay. Um, were you attracted to him physically? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was not. I think that was it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't attracted to him. um, And I just... But I knew that could have grew. Because, like, my ex-boyfriend from 2013, I wasn't physically attracted to him when I first met him. Okay. But we had strong organic... Like, when we met, we just clicked Mm. and I remember I went home and I told my mom I was like I met this guy but I don't think he's physically attractive but he's so cool and then the next day like he picked me up from my second date at my house and my mom got a glimpse of him my mom's like he's not ugly what are you talking about Mm -hmm. I was like I didn't say he was ugly I said he wasn't attractive to me to you but we ended up like he was like the second love of my life Mm. you know um so I didn't let, that wasn't the determining factor. The determining factor was like. The vibes. The vibes right. wasn't there. So. So good thing about dating right now is getting free meals. <laughs> getting free meals. That's wild. But yes, I feel you. <laughs> um, and then what is the bad and the ugly about dating? What problem have you seen yourself uh, continuously getting into? Men not putting effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know I am a strong alpha woman. I know I've, um, in a lot of instances, like my conversation with guys, I'm very forthcoming about my feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm very like, I know what I want. I, I, I don't, now I'm in a position, I don't know if it's because like my recent heartbreak, like I want a man to really, really want me. I want a man to really work for that. Yeah. And I feel like when I've been like, chill nonchalant just watching they just don't try yeah they don't put effort and um and i'm not saying that i don't put effort but i know like when i do put effort like it's like i'm trying to will you that's not my job right you need to feel equally invested in me and i feel like a lot of guys are a little bit too relaxed okay like if you want like some of the best love stories are men like going crossing hills, 
crossing bridges, Mm -hmm. building mountains to be with the woman they love. And I'm not saying that I need you to build me a mountain, but I need to feel a genuine interest and a genuine investment in being with me. Right. And if I don't feel that, I'm not going to put effort. Yeah, I think that sometimes, um, and we'll get into social media later, but I think that social media... Hmm. It's like a gift and a curse because I think that we do see a lot of the effort stories, people who have put in work. I try to tell myself and force myself to believe that you, um, not force myself to believe that I'm worth the effort because I know I am, but to force myself to believe that there are still men out there that exist. That could be chivalrous. Um, that can be chivalrous and, and not only chivalrous extra, it, we, I, because yeah. chivalrous is like the b- bare minimum. There's, I got friends that are chivalrous. You feel <laughs> me? Like being extra, extra attentive, extra knowledgeable, extra caring, um, and just being intuitive about what's going on. Like, and and being and doing that on purpose. Like, but I also try and tell myself like to also be real and that every love story does not look the same. And just because certain love stories don't start one way doesn't mean that they won't end that way or they won't grow that way. Mm -hmm. I think that's a hard balance though, as a woman, Mm -hmm. like knowing which love to sustain for and which love to be out for, because you don't want to seem like you're here for the theatrics because that's not what I'm really talking it's about. It's not about the um, theatrics. It's that internal investment right. that I need to feel. feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm a very simplistic type girl. I think I am. But I know, like, the way I go about it in the past to get those simple things, be extra. Right. But I think um, I just need to feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, my ex... My ex was like that. Like in the beginning, he came strong, and then when he got comfortable, it was. Then it was like, do you are you really into it? Mm-hmm. You know. And did I the th- romance stop? Um. The romance stopped, and he just stopped trying. Mm. Like he was consistent. We talked frequently. Then I would I could go like three days not hearing him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, this is a relationship? Like, you can go three days not talking to your girlfriend? Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's wild. wild. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, I would I would also, I would do crazy shit. Like, I'd pull up. Like, I'd pull up to his house. And when I pull up, he'll be, like, sitting home. I'm like, yo, I just called you and you ignored me and you're sitting here in the dark. So, like, those little things. Like, the, he just stopped trying. He didn't want to go out. He didn't. Was he going through something? He was. Okay. And which was the reason why we ended the relationship. And I was so heartbroken that I ended up in Jersey. But um, he was going through something internal. Okay. Um, But, you know, I think me going inward, I'm trying to under... When you also watch some of these, like, dating shows, like Married at First Sight, mm-hmm. um, like, uh, Love is Blind, and you watch people interact in their relationships, like, yo, you got some issues you need to take care of, right? And I take those lessons to heart, and I was like, I, ha- I probably have a lot of issues that I need to take care of so I could be my best self. And I think one of my main issues is that I am an empath, and I love 
extrovertly to everybody that I tend to lose myself. Mm. So I want to be able to like be able to love myself and go inward and focus on me right. and my needs. And I think then with that, I could be better for the next the, person for the next person. Mm-hmm. But So what are you looking for in a man? What are let's limit it. Give me some five non-negotiables that you absolutely and I'll give you mine when you're done. But what's five non-negotiables that you're like really just you need your your next man to have those. He has to be emotionally intelligent. Okay. He has to have a growth mindset. Growth mindset, emotionally intelligent. He has to smell good. Smell <laughs> the smells, uh-huh. Yes, smell good. Um Great conversationalist. Okay. Be able to converse well. And the fifth one, he has to be into me. Okay. However, he shows that within those five love languages, I need to feel it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like those. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm about to say mine, I feel so childish. Because <laughs> I'm about to say he got to be over six feet. He got to be fan. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. But... Height is a really important thing to yeah, me, it but is that's to not, me too. it's not a non-negotiable though. Right. But it's up there. Mm-hmm. If if I could put it on the corner of my hand, it would be there. Um, I like emotionally intelligent. Um, I need you to just be aware of your feelings. You know, I find that men restrict themselves from giving their all in relationships when they're going through something or when they don't feel like they're the best version of themselves. And women never do that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's a me thing, but I don't think so. We always got time for love. Uh-huh. I can be a mess. I can be going through uh, anxiety, depression, whatever. I'm always going to have time to love somebody. Right. And I feel like men do not work the same way. Right. They always have time to entertain someone, but they don't, always have time to dish out love properly. Right. And it's a contrast that I'm not, uh, I don't like. And it, and it causes a lot of friction. So for example, there, there is a gentleman, um, that, that did that, right? Like when we first started talking, he, he was like, listen, it's a really tough time for me. And I understood that because Steve Harvey said that, like, when men, when they're about their grind and their hustle, that's all they see. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, I'm willing to get to know you. And I'm like, okay. I was like, so how can we do that while you're focusing on your goals? Because right. your goals and your stability is really important, and I want to support that. We should communicate daily, initially. Then after a certain time, maybe we should meet up. But now, like, it's been a month, and it's just like... The communication has started from daily to now three, four, five times, a, like th- three, four times a week. Hmm. Didn't say anything. Um, so the other day I hit him up. I'm like, I'm upset. I'm sad. And he was like, why? I was like, because I'm busy too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a lot going on. I have a lot of emotional things going on in my life. But I've always made it a priority to communicate with you. And you stopped. And he was like, oh, but I'm so sorry. I've just been so tied up. So to him, it's like, it's not it's to, not big to me, it's like, yo, how is something is, how are we going to go somewhere if this doesn't work? Right. Um, so I feel like men have this like parallel vision of like relationships and making it work. And then when we check them on it, it's where we're being 
we're not keeping peace or we're being emotional combative and we're being combative and mm-hmm. i just feel like if it is something i just want to be on your list of priorities i'm not saying i need to be the priority because you're not the priority in my life right. but i need to be on that list of priorities right i feel that um i i think that that's some of the tension mm-hmm. that men and women experience especially in this dating realm um um but back to i said height i have to be physically attracted to you mm-hmm. like you have to move me physically um i need a hard working man I need a man that don't get tired of working. Right. And I, I don't care what you do, just as long as you love what you do and you work hard. Right. And you're willing to work as hard as you have to to support and grind for your family. Mm-hmm. I, that is so... It's such a turn-on to me, right. like hard-working men. I don't like lazy men or men who just don't want to get up and go get it. Um, I think you might, I might steal another one of yours. Um, you said emotionally intelligent and then you said something else. You gotta smell good. Oh yeah, you gotta be, well, if you don't got the sense, we can work on getting you the sense, but you gotta be clean. You gotta be, you gotta be clean, very clean. Um, and, um, yes, I think it's very important for you to be into me and into me got it into me for me is like a little bit, it's weird because the into me has to be deeper than into me. Right. Like it cannot just be like a lot of guys can be into you. Right. But I need you to be like into my heart. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you really care about what's going on with me from top to bottom. And you spend your time not only reassuring me about um how into me you are physically mm-hmm. but how into me you are on a heart to heart level right. um choosing me every single day i think that's very important um so uh, from from have you ever like talked to guys from instagram or like um like i know instagram is not a dating platform but right. i think you know the dms so at, at, as you know i was on dr love um, a few times, okay. which was the Dr. Love. Please explain to the listeners sure. what Dr. Love is. So Dr. Love is a dating show that Flav, who is a Haitian musician, started during the pandemic. Okay. And what he does, he matches, um, he calls have singles come on as contestants, and then he tries to match them together. Um, I was a contestant two years ago. A couple times I've seen a few guys I've called in for, um, of course, wasn't successful Mm -hmm. but within those times there's like a plethora of dms that comes into my dms okay because you show yourself you're on the live and then guys would dm you and you know but they're guys that are most most of the guys are overseas so i don't really entertain them Mm. um and you know so um that has happened um i again the guy from facebook i i went on a date on like a few months ago um but not much. no not really not really okay um yeah the, the, i've never really 
met someone online like via dms mm -hmm. and then it went somewhere mm -hmm. like i feel like even if somebody was in my dms expressing attraction and it turned into something else it was based off the fact that we had mutual friends somewhere right. like it wasn't just a complete stranger right um so yeah i don't and i did dating online i did hinge for like I want to say like four months last year mm -hmm. um, and I met one guy and I went on a date with him and it wasn't horrible. We went on two dates actually and we were communicating, but something just didn't click and it didn't work. But I don't really, you know, I don't care for dating. I like, I just don't care to be an active dater. I'm good. Like whoever right. I, it may, I, the only scary part is that I may be alone forever. Um, and I don't like that, but I don't know, like, you know, sometimes I get a little inkling when I'm going out. I'm like, maybe I'll meet somebody here, maybe. But I don't really go out for those reasons. Right. Um, and I just don't want to put that type of pressure on myself. But, like, I honestly don't know where I, I don't want to be super social for the sake of meeting my future spouse right. like it's not that deep to me especially not at this age right maybe when we were younger and going out was just a norm but i'm not scouting for niggas right. like outside like right. i can't do that i i just think that it's weird and i'm so old-fashioned i believe like my my husband would find me right mm -hmm. i firmly believe that he will find me i need a position that i don't know how that looks like right like how do i position myself for him to find me but I'm not an extreme date, dater, and I feel like a lot of these dating coaches, it's like, you need to start dating and get comfortable so you can weigh your options. You deserve to have options, too. And, and it's just like, but some of the options that I've seen on my online platform, whether I tried, like, so many. I tried Hinge. I tried Black Gentry. I tried Facebook dating. Um, um, I tried Black People Meet. I was on four different dating apps. Mm. in January till now I last week I deleted all of them because it was just so overwhelming they were not men of quality um they did not carry great conversations so it's like you know what Keish like stop it's gonna happen and, right. that, and that's what like now I have to let faith guide me I just need to like be the best version of myself mm -hmm. and then you know and trust that it will happen I don't know where he's gonna I know a lot of my friends met on online platforms some right. were like high school sweethearts but I'm I don't know. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what um, it is. For some of us, it's harder than others. Exactly. But I think keeping the faith and, mm -hmm. you know, staying hopeful is very important to the process, right. you know? And I know, like, and I tell people, I know I'm a, I'm a cute girl. I'm beautiful. Right. I don't have that, what is that called? That superficial, attractive social media look to kind of gain attraction. I, that's what I, I was having a conversation with my guy friend with that. I was like, he was like, you get a lot of DMs. I was like, I don't have that, you know, like that initial look on my page to... To, to get a guy to kind of DM me. So, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was in Clubhouse during the pandemic, and we did an experiment with that. Like, we had random people go look at our profile and, like, like look at it and judge us and see, like, yo, are we selling ourselves appropriately for guys to smoke? That's a little weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get weird. it, but it's a weird... It's a weird experiment, but, like... Mm -hmm. 
if we, if if somebody Sorry. was to slide in your DM, are you are you making your social media page attractive enough to? I had great reviews, but I was like, that don't mean anything, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I mean, I guess some people do think about it like mm-hmm. that, like they're calculated about it. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, me neither. I think that's a little weird. I just like, feel like my gut is just saying, like, yo, just just let it all go yeah like i i feel like whatever aesthetically looks pleasing to you to yourself Mm -hmm. that's what i kind of put out there i understand i understand the notion of like certain qualities being appropriate Mm -hmm. for the timeline or whatever the case may be but i don't know i just feel like whatever looks good posted it's not that I don't feel like it should be that deep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I, but I do know that, you know, especially in this day and age where social media is the thing, it's people's cash cow. Um, they, they know the calculated, uh, they know the calculated for a lot of these models and stuff. Like they know they have to be calculated in right. their approach. And that's, that's, let me tell you as me. a contestant of Dr. Love, even though I have not found love, but my business have increased. I've increased following not only on my private page, but on my business page. You right. know, like there's blessings in it. So, mm-hmm. and I feel like when I see those kind of outcomes, it's just like, no, Keisha got to do a lot more work on herself. And that's why I encourage like all my single sisters right now. Like if you guys can get self-help books, like figuring out who you are, I think that's the best way to approach and getting ready for dating or your a relationship. I know I was never a, a dater, like right. going on random dates or having multiple guys talk to multiple guys at one time. That was never me. Yeah. And I want to stick by that and not shift it. I don't even no. understand how you can shift it if it's not like so I will never understand that advice because if it's not a part of your nature it's not something like for me it's not even a thing I don't know how to be a serial dater mm. I it could not first of all people don't even talk to me enough for me to be like I'm not getting asked out on a date mm-hmm. daily to where it's like oh my gosh I'm turning down so many guys no it's not like that and then on top of that one thing about me is I don't really care about free food like I I'll buy myself food before I'm not, if I don't like you, if I'm not interested in you, if I'm I not, go out with I'm, you. I will not go out yeah. with you that's for why I've only any been on reason. One right. But that was, I mean, I guess that's what, when I said the best positive, right. It's food. It's of, the course, food of course. Because like nothing else positive came out of it. Right. And I'm not the type of, even with the online dating, one dating coach is like, yo, your job is to get them out. It's to like, this girl, this coach is like, you need to get them from talking from the app to talking to you on the phone, have your face up. Within a week, y'all need to go out. If I'm not clicking with you on the phone, why am I just going to be exactly. like, let me meet you in person and exactly. see how it goes? I'm not wasting anybody's right. time. I don't want people to think that. But And I remember just being so frustrated. And shout out to my cousin Sabine. I was just like, yo, this is so annoying. And she's like, Keisha, if you don't like it, why don't are you it. doing it? Right. And I'm just like, because this coach said that this is where I need to do it. And on, on my power bag, by, you know, having my whole stage. And, and she was like, but if Hello. it's not you, don't do it. Right. So that's just my approach. Right, right. Um, and I feel that. I feel mm-hmm. it. Um, 
And shout out to like I have friends who are like you know they don't mind fall nine times get back up ten mm-hmm. you know like it's like on to the next one on to the next mm-hmm. one but I'm just not that dedicated to the dating process and like you I do I do admire a more organic approach mm-hmm. sometimes it keeps me stuck on the wrong person for a long time exactly that's the that's, that's the, the unfortunate byproduct mm-hmm. but. For me, it's just like, I got to vibe with you. I really got to feel you. Like, mm-hmm. I really got to... I'm in love in 2.3 days. Right. So, it's not... It's not like... I just... It's just hard for me to do that. I just... I don't want to get to know you. I don't I don't even want to get to know anybody else. But even right now, it's like, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to have a husband, how I'm going to have a child, and all while getting to know a new person, possibly. Mm-hmm. Because I just don't... That process is the process that scares me. It's just like, you got to make sure you trust this person. Make sure this person is for you. Make sure blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't have the time. Just can we fast forward? I I made in January, I met a guy and it was great. Like he sold me a dream. We didn't meet yet because at the time when we met, he was on vacation and um, we FaceTimed every day. Like he made up for it. Like we FaceTimed every day. We talked every day. And he sold me a dream. And I remember when things ended, I was so heartbroken. And when I spoke to my therapist about it, she was like, yo, you created this fantasy in your head without not realizing where the red... And she pointed. She was like, I'm going to tell you through that conversation, there was two red flags that you missed. I'm going to tell you in this conversation, there was two red flags Mm. that you missed. You could have cut this off like within a week. But Damn. you dragged it for so long, and now you're so heartbroken, and now he probably moved on to the next chick and not give a fuck about you. And oh, Sorry for cursing. You're good. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's my problem. Like, I dragged. I remember I told my ex-situationship, I'm like, yo, I'm so loyal to you. Like, we're in a relationship because I, I create this fantasy like maybe this will change maybe this whatever so now I think through that I'm grateful that I went through that process with like trying to talk to guys because I'm like oh red flag nope delete like I was weeding them out like crazy and I was like then it was like this is not fun because there's nobody of quality on this app right right so um I just feel like I, I, it was too, also I'm like teaching all day. I don't got time to be responsive. Like I was getting a lot of messages. So I was just like, no, it's going to happen in its own time. Right. Okay. So the last thing I want to talk to you about is social media transparency. Mm-hmm. And, um, we follow each other on Instagram and, um, I noticed that you are extremely transparent on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, first I want to ask you, what is your motivation or what drives you to be trans super duper transparent on social media okay and before i say this what i will preface it and say that i'm not a super duper transparent person on uh, social media but i do i do respect everybody's social media usage and how Mm -hmm. they choose to express themselves on social media but i've always been curious as to um Um, Because I know multiple people who are extremely transparent on social media. Mm -hmm. And I know people who are just a little bit and some people who fall within the middle. What uh, what gives you comfort uh, when it comes to being transparent on social media? First of all, I'm an empath. Okay. 
And I, 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 my transparency comes from a lens of like, I don't want anybody to experience the same pain that I'm experiencing. Mm. Um, and I knew this question was coming. And so I, I was like, how do I explain it? Mm-hmm. Because I don't feel like I need people to feel sorry for me. I don't feel like it's an attention seeking. I feel like it sparks conversation. Okay. I feel like a lot of people are going through something similar because they don't post it. Right. Just because they don't post it, that don't mean they're going, they're not going through something. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex L said, you're not a victim for sharing your story. You're a survivor for setting the world on fire with your truth. And you never know who needs your light, your warmth, your rage and courage. Mm. And I feel like that's why I share my story. Right. I share my story because, and I realize like a lot of my friends that I share my story with or I try to protect is to make sure they don't feel what I'm feeling, what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. I lost my best friend um, through suicide and I have like this guilt because I didn't help her. And she was on social media sharing too, right? And a lot of people thought like didn't know what to do to help her. But I feel like when I share, it's just to like help somebody else and to make sure like, listen, just because, and she, I remember before she committed suicide, she was like, you're just so, everything is going so well for you. I was like, what? Mm -hmm. Girl, but. And she used to say that. She was like, everything is going so well. Look, you, you have a job, you finish school. And I'm like, you finish school too? What are you talking about? Like she was like, and and you had and at that time I was dating my ex. She was like, and you have a boyfriend, and I was like, we fight all the time. I just don't post it. Like, I just feel like sharing allows us to engage in conversation and give people the reminder, like I'm not alone in my bullshit. Okay. And I can only do that through my testimony and do it organically. I've stopped because I know like some people have used it against me. Mm-hmm. I've kind of scaled back a little bit. And I added you on my close friends, so I would post it on my close friends. I would post what needs to be more on a public platform. I would post on that. But I just feel like it it sparks a lot more conversations okay. and it brings yeah, just to help somebody else. And do you is there any is there ever a time where you have regretted sharing something on social when media. When somebody comes and responds negativity, okay. negatively to what I posted. Okay. And it's like, you're not getting my intent. Okay. And then it would be like me trying to over... I was like, I don't need to over explain my pain. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't be negatively like impacted because it's not happening to you. It's happening to me. Right. Um, that's when I would regret regret it honestly okay and then also another question i i i want to know is um if if the process of oversharing because i have a really good friend who uh, deals with a lot of um i don't know I, i even when i speak about these issues i don't like to speak about them explicitly because I feel like we're all going through something, Mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like we all have battles and struggles that we, some of us share and some of us choose not to share. And I also feel like some of us have found coping mechanisms and some of us, the coping process is a little bit more difficult. And I have a friend who, um, has struggled a lot with, 
um, depression and a lot of things and, you know, wanting to harm herself and, and doing acts of self-harm. Um, and at times she is an oversharer, but I wonder, are you ever, uh, is oversharing just a part of, uh, your daily, uh, activity or if, or is it a conscious effort that you have to think about before doing so? It happens automatically. Okay. Okay. Um, it, it happens automatically. Okay. Um, anybody, and if you realize anybody who's inflicted harm Mm -hmm. on themselves, anybody who have had a mental breakdown, they give warning signs. Right. And, um, I know to a lot of people on social media, it's, it's, it makes it, it makes them feel uncomfortable but those are warning, like those are signs of like either that person needs help or that person is really going through something. Right. So I feel like, um, but I remember again, shout out to Sabine. She was like, sometimes that oversharing, you don't know how it affects your loved one and how it makes your loved one feel to see you're going through something mm-hmm. and they don't know how to support you through that. So. I, I've been more conscious of conscious of what I share. Okay. Um, I've been a lot more conscious. If I'm really, really in a dark place, like my phone is across the room. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you, you said that a lot of times it generates very, you know, good conversations and mm-hmm. people are able to share when the, that they're going through something mm-hmm. similar. Other than that, what's the best thing that has ever come from your transparency? People appreciating it. Okay. People mm-hmm. saying that it helped them. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of people say that it helped them. Okay. With their issues. And then... Um, because, like, there's this persona that... And and that this persona that sometimes people, when they look at you on social media, right? And that's something that we tend to forget. Um, people think you have it all together. Mm-hmm. People think, like... And sometimes there's a lot of jealousy and envy in that. And it's just like, I feel like when I share, I'm trying to like reground myself and humble myself and be like, yo, like my shit stink too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I guess, I guess that's why I do it. Yeah. Again, like the, my problems, I've always figured them out. I've always navigated through them. Um, I haven't really had, besides getting a job, right? <laughs> I haven't really had. Yeah, listen, listen. I haven't really had like a saving grace from someone on my platform, mm-hmm. but it was the other way around okay. where like I've helped somebody else. Right. And then do the negative comments. I know you even posted one recently mm-hmm. of somebody who just responded to you. Do they ever deter you from wanting to share i mean other than i think you said you took that girl out of your close friends or something it was Um, a close friend too really it was a very very close friend of mine and did you guys have an extensive conversation outside of that dm um no i was just in a space of like if you can't because i didn't feel like what i put was really intense Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't that serious i was just saying like i don't know why i'm being a big baby like i missed my uh, my hair appointment i'm having an anxiety attack Mm -hmm. like 
And the whole point of that post is like, yo, the smallest thing can trigger you to have a full-blown anxiety attack and mess up your whole day. I was like, I'm going to figure it out, but I'm having an anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. And she just went in on that. So then, like, I had to take a step back. I was like, are you attacking me because I'm complaining too much or you can't really handle seeing somebody go through something? So I know, in my, like, right now I'm going through something personal. Like, my sister's in the hospital. I know, like, I have my good days and my bad days. So you can't be in my cheer... You can't be that close friend and that cheerleader for me. So if that's too much for you, then stay away from me. Yeah. You know? Um, but it was just something so simple, like... Right. <laughs> everybody has anxiety. And it's the same thing. The girl, um, Danielle from love is blind like she had a whole anxiety attack on one of the episodes and people attacked her and called her dramatic and she's like guys i have a mental health issue like people don't talk about it and i feel like when we talk about it we'll be people will be more embracing and mm-hmm. we'll have like those difficult conversations and we'll have less suicides we'll have less people trying to hurt themselves because mm-hmm. then people can i believe like I'm a relationship person. Right. And even as an educator, like, my kids are comfortable with me because I build rapport with them. And I feel like building rapport with your following or building rapport with your... Wherever you go close friends to will, you know, inspire people to, like, want to change or get better. Right. Um, So I feel like my transparency is just to help. Um, And how are you feeling? Before we close this episode, (laughs) how are you feeling... Today. Today. today is today a good day are you in good spirits now are you feeling um good sunday's my anxiety day okay because i gotta go to work mm-hmm. tomorrow um but today i'm good okay. today i'm okay um sunday but like sunday what time is it like around six seven o'clock i'm just like oh my god is my lesson plans ready like what am i gonna do with the kids sundays are usually my anxiety days but I'm okay. Mm-hmm. It's a cycle. Like some days I I'm great. I'm I'm vibrant and I'm ready. And then some days I want to stay in bed. Mm-hmm. And I think someone who is battling mental health, anxiety, and depression is that like. And I remember when I first met my therapist, she was like, "You know this this." It just doesn't go away. I was like, what? Because I was looking for that pill. I was looking for that magic, like, whoop, you're right. healed. It's away. You don't have anxiety or depression anymore. But it's like learning how to cope with it. Mm-hmm. And some days I'm good and some days I'm okay. And I'm also like a girl that always has shit thrown at her mm-hmm. from, you know, losing a loved one or having a sister in the hospital or a job might be a challenge or something like that. So trying to find ways to cope. Right. Yeah. Well, I do wish you all the, I don't want to say luck, but I wish you all good things on your journey. Thank you. Um, and I'm wishing you like a prosperous journey and in all the avenues in which we discussed today, mm-hmm. whether it be um, work-wise, love-wise, personal-wise, um, mm-hmm. I really hope that um, you see or continue to see breakthroughs because every day is a breakthrough, right? Mm-hmm. Every day that you make it is a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. So I do 
I do pray that you continue to see breakthroughs in every avenue of your life. And I do thank you so much. Thank you for, for having coming. me. I um, feel special. I made it through the This Is 30 podcast. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you for coming through and sharing your light and sharing your um, your your education on so many topics. I thank appreciate you. it. Um, thank so you for thank having you. me. No problem. Just want to wish everybody a lot of love and light. You know, keep loving, keep, you know, go inward and just you know focus on y'all that's all i gotta say yeah yeah and um if you are listening for the first or the hundredth or the 99th time all i want to tell you is don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend any mama any cousin any daddy to listen to the this is 30 podcast um and like he just said yeah wishing y'all all a good week good vibes um Good spirits, good energy. I hope that you find the love of your life this week. Make lots of money this week. Yes. I just hope that it's a prosperous week. Yes. Um, And yeah, y'all be good. Peace out.